0: everyone? We are good? Why don't you stay standing? Who loves their senior pastors? Pastor Mark and Nina. Pastor Mark put up his hand. Says yeah of course he loves Nina. And uh, you know what I, I just think that you're profoundly blessed um, to have the leaders that you have. And uh, I don't say that because I'm looking forward to a great offering or anything like that. I genuinely say that because um You know, I've traveled around a lot across the body of Christ and seen a number of leaders and a number of churches. And I've had the privilege over several years now of coming and ministering here. And just what God's doing here, it is a genuine move of God. You know, it doesn't need to be a crusade every week to label it a move of God. Um, When the church is just growing in season and out of season, and people are being developed as leaders and people are cared for and pastored. When people are fed the Word of God week in, week out, and people are becoming more like Jesus, that is a move of God. And, um, and I think it's really important that you always are praying for your leaders, honoring your leaders. And uh, just on behalf of Kai and I and our church, we just want to say a massive thank you to you both, not just for your hospitality, Uh, this weekend, but for the example that you've set, not only your church, but other churches right across the body of Christ. And so let's put our hands together and just honour these guys. We love you both so much. Genuinely mean that. And let's pray together. Father, we just thank you today for your spirit. We thank you, Lord, that you have been moving in great power and authority Lord, in people's hearts all day. And Father, for people who this is their first service today at Emerge Church, God, I pray that every single one of us would encounter you in a fresh way. Lord, for those of us who heard the word this morning, who uh, gathered together, Lord, let this not just be a repeat, but Lord, may we also too, Lord, see you in a different way tonight. May we encounter your power, your love and your spirit and your grace, Lord, in a way that will transform us. Lord, I'm believing that as I preach tonight, that Father, sick bodies will be healed, that people who've been wrestling and struggling with the lies of the enemy, tormenting their minds and oppressing their lives. Father, I pray for freedom and victory in Jesus' name over people's lives tonight. And Father, for a spirit of prophecy to awaken our hearts as to your purpose and your destiny and what you're calling us to. Father, we honour you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Awesome. You may have a seat. Uh, This morning, if you were here, I shared a prophetic word for the church, and uh, Pastor Mark just asked me to also share that tonight for those of you who are here for the first time. Um, By the way, uh, I am from Melbourne, but they've let us out for 48 hours, and we are disease-free, so don't treat me like I'm a leper. Um, I've been virus-free all of 2020 and 2021, and uh, there are some of us in Victoria that are are okay. So... um, It's been a wild journey. Nine months lockdown last year we had. Our church didn't meet for nine months, but now we are meeting together. Today, my wife said that uh, this morning was just a full house in our main campus, and we just praise God for that. The Lord spoke to me this morning as I was praying for you as a church, and wherever I go, I want to hear God's now word for the church. And uh, the Lord spoke to me and said, that over the next six years that Emerge Church would multiply to six locations and that I saw another three locations coming and that you're in a time over these next several years of intensive leadership development. And the prayer that was going to be answered, but also on your hearts, Luke chapter 10 verse 2, the harvest is plentiful, the labourers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out labourers into the harvest field. And I really believe that this is going to be a church that raises up and sends out labourers into the harvest field. And uh, some of you will be sent to different parts of the world or the city or wherever God calls you and sends you. But it's also about bringing the harvest in, into the life of the church and seeing people be made disciples of Jesus. And the Lord said, You will not lack labourers for the harvest that God has called you to reap. And I saw a picture of an army of young adults, all generations, but particularly of no young adults in in a field with a golden sickle in hand, equipped and empowered to know how to use it to reap the harvest. And I really believe that God wants you to position yourself to prepare for the future. The Lord said to me, present need mustn't take precedent over preparation for future opportunity. I'll say that again because I've never said that before, but I think it must be relevant to the seasons that you're going to find yourself in. Present need mustn't take precedent over preparation for future opportunity. Often in life, we're preoccupied with the need that's in front of us rather than positioning ourselves for what is to come. And whilst meeting the needs of the present moment is important, if you only get focused in the, on the day at hand or the moment at hand and you don't prepare for the future, you're going to miss what God wants to bring into your life. And so I do believe that the emphasis is on preparation. Just as Joseph stored up grain in the seven years of plenty for uh, uh, Egypt for the future, you will fill as a church the storehouse of God's house, with resource, both people and provision for the future. And I really believe that God has anointed and sent you, your leaders and your pastors, with, with, graced with wisdom to know how to build for coming generations. It's one thing as a leader, if you lead a life group or lead any ministry, to know how to build for that generation. But there's something about positioning your ministry and your life for coming generations. This is a multi-generational church that God has been working in the past. He's working in the present, but He's also preparing for the future. And I want to encourage everyone who's over 40 years of age in this room to not just be thinking about your future and what you're doing now, but be thinking about investing into the lives of young people and young adults to actually prepare them for what God has called them to. The Church of Jesus Christ has multiplied over 2,000 years because it has had a multi-generational disciple-making approach and I believe that God's called this ministry to it. Does that sound all right? I'd be excited if I got that word. Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 to 32. I'm going to read this passage to you. It says this, Matthew 12, verse 22. Then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to him. So the source of his sickness and infirmity wasn't of natural origin. It was of a supernatural origin. And Jesus healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be the son of David? Which was one of the terms that was given to Jesus, the Messiah. But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, it is only by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, that this man casts out demons. Knowing their thoughts, he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is laid waste. No city or house divided against itself will stand. And if Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? If I cast out demons by Beelzebul, by whom do your sons or your disciples cast them out? Therefore, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Whoever is not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. Therefore, I tell you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven people, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven." And whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, being Jesus, will be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven, either in this age or in the age to come. It's a fascinating passage of Scripture. I want to speak to you tonight about the power of the kingdom of God. This morning we talked about what the kingdom is. Your kingdom come from the Lord's Prayer. Tonight, what is the power of the kingdom? How do we move in that power in our daily life? a personal trainer at a fitness center I was attending a few years ago. He knew I was a believer and a minister of the gospel, and he heard his arm training a client. And he walked up to me, and he started a conversation, and he sort of leaned in, looked around, leaned in, and whispered, do you think you could do something for my arm? And I'm looking at him like, is he asking what I think he's asking? Because I'm no doctor, but I think he's asking for what I think he's asking. And I'm like, oh, you. You 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 want help with your arm? And he goes, you know, like do your stuff, do your thing that you do. And so right there in the gym, we just pause and stop, and I gently just put my hand on his elbow and begin to declare in the name of Jesus a very simple prayer. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. I command right now this arm to be healed. And within a few minutes, he starts to move his arm around. He's going over to the weight rack. He's lifting up weights to test this thing. He goes, it really works. I go, yeah, it does. And, you know, for all of Western culture's emphasis on reason and logic, we are a generation that is enamored with the supernatural. You think about the movies that are produced that talk about supernatural themes, the books, the TV shows, the Mind, Body, Spirit Festival that attracts thousands of people every year. I was at a dinner party one time and and, and they didn't want to talk about church, but the next question was, have you ever encountered a demon? And I'm like, oh my gosh. It's like I thought we we're just coming over for like a casual dinner party and the next moment it's gotten real serious real quick People don't want to talk about church because, in their mind, it's rules, it's regulation, it's religion. How mistaken are they? But they do want to talk about the supernatural. Why is that? I think there's two reasons. One is because we want to escape the ordinary. There is something about good versus evil on a cosmic scale that thrills our hearts. For just one fleeting moment, can I escape? the ordinariness of my life and be lost in another world. But I think there's a deeper reason. The other reason why I think we are enamored with the supernatural is that we are hardwired for the supernatural. We are hardwired for eternity. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, God has put eternity into your heart. Someone once said, we aren't just human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spirit beings having a human experience. We've been made in God's image. You've been called into God's heavenly family. The original mandate given to Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 1, be fruitful and multiply, in other words, extend the, 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 the truth and purity of Eden to the rest of the planet, is the same mandate given through Jesus in the Great Commission, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. It's just packaged a different way with a different idea of how we go about that. And so in the Bible, in Romans 1, the Bible tells us that creation itself bears witness to a creator and therefore to a supernatural realm beyond our own. Unfortunately, I've discovered that as believers, we don't tend to approach the unseen realm of the Bible with the same sort of passion and appetite like we approach the Marvel's Avengers or science fiction films, and part of that is because we've become satisfied with verbal explanations of the kingdom rather than visible demonstrations of the kingdom. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3, 5, in the last days, people will have a form of godliness but deny its power. In other words, we'll look very religious, we'll have the form of something but we'll lack the substance of something that, that God calls us to actually carry. In 1 Corinthians four twenty, uh, the Apostle Paul says the kingdom of God doesn't consist of talk but of power. I remember sitting down with a pastor many years ago And we're talking about the power of the Spirit. And he says, well, I would love to see more of the power of the Holy Spirit move in our church, but it's just not our culture. And I thought to myself a couple of things. One, we'll change your flipping culture then because it's his church. It's not your church. Secondly, you're the leader. So you're basically saying that the culture is leading you rather than you leading the culture. If you're a leader of something, lead the culture. Don't let the culture dictate to you what the Bible says should be yours in Jesus' name. The third thought I had was, well, what gospel are you preaching then? Because if you're preaching the gospel of the kingdom, Jesus said, Mark 16, it'll be accompanied by evidence of signs and wonders. Even the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians 1, 1.5 said, Our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit. If there is a lack of power in our lives, the lack is never on God's end. Because that would mean he's not God. There is no deficiency, inadequacy or lack in the Godhead. There is no lack in heaven if there is a lack of power in our lives, the lack is always on our end. When the disciples couldn't minister freedom to the boy that had been tormented by oppressive spirits, the disciples didn't come to Jesus and say, why couldn't you minister freedom to the boy? Why couldn't you cast demon out of the boy? They got Jesus aside in the green room and said, hey Jesus, don't let anyone know this, but we couldn't minister freedom to the boy. Why couldn't we actually bring healing and transformation into this young man's life? And Jesus said, because this kind of problem and issue that you face can only come through the power of prayer and fasting. In other words, there is more than enough supply from heaven for us to be able to resolve the challenges that we face in the earthly realm, the issue we lack is a lack of demand from people's faith and hearts and a willingness to actually consecrate themselves and set themselves apart for God to actually move through their life. Let us not be a people, a church in 2021, where heaven's pipeline is filled with grace and love and anointing and power, and yet we never access it because there is no appetite in our hearts. There's no urgency. There's no hunger. Jesus said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. The measure of your filling is determined by the measure of your hunger. How hungry are you for God to move in your life this year? How hungry are you for God to move through your life group and your ministry in this house? It comes back. You want to see greater works, greater things? It comes back to your hunger and your thirst. You see, we cannot separate the kingdom of God from supernatural power and be authentic followers of Jesus. You just can't do it. Jesus said in verse 22, 23, or well, the story tells us, the gospel writer tells us, then a demon oppressed man who was blind and mute was brought to Jesus. Good start. If you've got an issue, bring it to Jesus. And he healed him so that the man spoke and saw. And all the people were amazed and said, can this be The son of David. You see, wherever Jesus went, he confronted sin, he confronted sickness, he confronted demons and death with the power of the kingdom. That's why it concerns me sometimes when some Christians actually are anxious or uneasy about ever having their faith confronted or about ever feeling the tension of confronting. the the agenda of darkness that's in the world around us. Listen, if you love Jesus, if you're a follower of Christ, if you're a believer, you've crossed the line. You've been transferred from the domain of darkness into the domain of the kingdom of light. And it implies that there will be hostility between those two kingdoms. So if you find yourself in a spiritual battle at times, Don't be alarmed by it. Don't even complain or be surprised by it. Recognize that it's going to come. There is going to come hostility. And yet in the midst of that, greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. There is a power in you. There is an anointing in you. There are the tools and weapons of the kingdom of God that are not of the flesh, but are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds that will empower you and equip you to walk in victory over what comes against you. So wherever Jesus went, stuff happened. Things broke out. In fact, in 1 John 3, 8, the Bible says, the reason the Son of God appeared was not just to save you from your sin and reconcile you back to God, but was to absolutely annihilate the works of the devil. Was to disarm him and show off the spectacle of the absolute weakness of the kingdom of darkness by triumphing over that by the power of the Holy Spirit. And so all of Israel was anticipating. That when the son of David, the great Messiah that was prophesied by all of the prophets, that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and of the increase of his government there will be no end. They were anticipating, they were expecting when the son of David, which is one of the terms for Messiah, other terms like son of man, son of God, when the son of David showed up, he would be accompanied by supernatural demonstrations of power. And so you try and tell an Orthodox Jew, even today, that the supernatural doesn't exist. They will laugh in your face because they come from a line of people that has a supernatural worldview informed by the angel of the Lord parting the Red Sea and 10 plagues in Egypt, saving them from Egypt. They will think you've got rocks in your head if you don't believe in the supernatural power of God because their whole history, their heritage is built on the primacy of supernatural power. And yet what is sad at times is that amongst believers there is such a low appetite of expectancy for God to move when they pray for the sick, for God to move when we gather together in worship. What if we came together every week and we went from this place every week with an expectation and an appetite that breakthrough isn't just what happens when we gather together, but breakthrough follows me. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. I live my life in in anticipation that something is going to happen and it probably will because I am a son of the most high God and I belong to his kingdom and wherever I go, the kingdom of darkness will be confronted. You see, when Jesus came preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, that message was complemented with power. When J.B. Hi-Fi asked Jesus, you know who J.B. Hi-Fi is, John the Baptist. When J.B. Hi-Fi JB, you've done it again. When JB Hi-Fi asked Jesus, are you the one who is to come or shall we look for another? How did Jesus answer him? Did he say, well, all the prophets said that I was going to come and I was going to be awesome. No, he didn't say that. He said, look at my miracles. He said, the deaf here." the blind see, the dead are raised up and blessed is the one who is not offended. He pointed to the fruit of the demonstrations of power. When I was a teenager, my parents who were pastors, my father developed a nasty growth on his tongue and it actually impeded his ability to communicate. And if you're a preacher and you can't talk, that's not a good thing. And so my father went to the doctor And they took a biopsy and it was confirmed that it was malignant, it was cancerous tumor that was growing on his tongue. And I remember being with my mum at the church office and my dad came back from the doctor's appointment and uh, he was white and sort of, you know, was impacted by what he just heard. And the doctor said, you're going to have to come back and have surgery. We're going to have to cut out a large portion of your tongue. You're never going to speak the same way again. My dad came into the altar of the church and for the next five days before his next appointment, he actually, um, prayer and fasting, seeking God, I never saw my dad pray so desperately, but yet with an expectation and a declaration of the healing power of the Holy Spirit in his life, and over the five days, we noticed the growth on his tongue began to change texture and, and, and sort of colour. And, and and instead of looking ghastly, it started to almost look like it started to become normalised within his mouth. And he went back to the doctor. The doctor saw the growth and said, it's changed. We need to test it again. And they tested it. And now it was benign. The cancer was not there. And, and he was able, and within a few weeks, the whole growth removed from his son. I can't tell you what that does for a young teenager when when you see the living example in your own family, let alone in the church, of people that believe in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the truth of the power of the name of Jesus. I'm telling you today that, that miracles are normal in the kingdom of God. The supernatural and the kingdom of God go hand in hand. And so one of the greatest obstacles to us in fact, Advancing the kingdom is to try and follow Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's doomed for failure. It's destined to not succeed. Jesus said in verse 28, If it's by the Spirit of God that I cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Sometimes we look at Jesus and we're like, you know what? He's Superman. And on one level he is But how did Jesus, heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out demons? By the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus, whilst he was fully and properly God, he was also fully and properly man. He still needed the anointing of God's Spirit upon him. And the Bible tells us in Acts 2.22, it actually speaks to his manhood, his fleshly nature. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst. I remember when one of the first miracles that I experienced in my ministry was a barren couple came to a prayer line, had three miscarriages and desperately wanted to have children. And the doctors were saying that it didn't look good. They're going to have to do this, do that. And they came and they prayed and we prayed and God showed me a picture of actually being on a platform in about 12 months from that date, holding their newborn baby boy with their unsafe family. This the first time I met them, unsafe family, watching this baby dedication as we testified to the power of God. And so I began to share this picture and word with them. And obviously they were emotional and, and I checked my spirit and learned to uh, sort of test these sorts of things to know God. What, what is it? I, I want to be a good steward of this word. And so I shared it with them. And three months later, knocked on my office door. Hey, pastor, we're pregnant. Can you stand with us and believe that God is actually going to see this uh, baby, healthy baby uh, born? And, and literally to the month, 12 months, we stood on a platform, held this baby and testified. And their unsafe family was there And one of the family members gave their heart to Jesus at the end of that because the miracle isn't just about the miracle and giving you the desires of your heart. The miracle is to point people towards the source of the miracle, which is Jesus Christ. It's supposed to be a sign and a wonder to the power and authority of the Son of God in our lives. And the same power that anointed Jesus for His ministry and that has anointed me for my ministry and people here in this room who've experienced the anointing of the power of God in their own life for their ministry is that same anointing that God wants you to walk in, in your working life, your study life, your friendship life, your family life, in every area of your life. You can, live in such intimacy with God, not simply by your works, but by faith in what Jesus Christ has done for you, in the power of the Holy Spirit poured out for you, you can expect that too, you too, can see the signs and wonders of the kingdom of God in your life. You see, because Jesus has already defeated our adversary, because Jesus has already sent the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, every single follower of Jesus has access to the power and authority of the kingdom of God. Jesus speaks about the authority that he has over Satan. It's really important you listen to these next few moments because this is where we too now have authority over Satan in our life. Jesus said this in verse 29, how can someone enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. Then indeed, he may plunder his house. What is Jesus talking about? Jesus is actually using the idea of almost like a metaphor, an analogy to talk about how he has bound the strong man of Satan. The strong man in this passage that he's talking about is our adversary, Satan. And Jesus is saying, because I, being Jesus, have bound the strong man I have authority over his house. How did Jesus bind the strong man? Well, many of us think that it happened on the cross. But actually it happened many chapters before the crucifixion. It happened in the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. You see, after Jesus' baptism, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to confront Satan and overcome him. Not every desert or wilderness in your life is of the devil. Some wildernesses and deserts are about setting you up for your victory. And if we despise every wilderness and desert and label it, this is just of the devil and we're rebuking the devil and all that sort of thing, we may miss the victory that God actually wants us to grow in in that season of our life. Now, Jesus is led by the Spirit, meaning the Spirit of God that he was filled with is now leading him to go to the desert to confront Satan, the ruler of this world. When you and I, in Genesis 3, represented by Adam and Eve, our original parents, rebelled against God, we actually handed to Satan. We handed to our adversary, our dominion authority that Jesus gave to us. We gave him the keys to this planet. And so in the Old Testament, the wilderness or the desert was known as a place of evil entities. It was a place you didn't wanna go. It was an unclean place. In fact, in the Old Testament, it was because it was an unclean place, it was why the high priest would put his hands on a goat known as the scapegoat, And he would transfer the sins of all of the people onto that scapegoat. And then they would demand that goat to go off into the wilderness and the desert regions, into the unclean places, to go and remove the transgressions and sins from the camp and from the people into the place that was evil and known for intelligent evil outside of the camp. So it's no surprise then who shows up to attack Jesus in the wilderness, but Satan himself. Satan comes to tempt Jesus in the wilderness, knowing that Jesus was on a mission. And his mission wasn't just to restore the kingdom of God to his people. His mission was to actually build and reconcile and build a family of God on planet Earth. And that's where you and I come in as the church. And so one of Satan's strategies, and in fact, his third strategy in the temptation of Jesus was to try and get Jesus to violate his relationship with his father by actually offering Jesus, the Son of God, all the nations of the world. And all Jesus had to do was bow down and worship Satan instead of God. This was the original desire of Lucifer in heaven where he wanted to be like God. He wanted the worship that was given to God to be actually extended and given to him. And so in this temptation, he thought, hey, well, Jesus has come to restore the kingdom. How about I get him to do it by not being completely obedient to the Father, but by bowing down and worshiping me and I will gladly give him all of the nations of the earth, and so I'll deceive him just like I deceived the first Adam in Genesis 3 in the Garden of Eden. But what Satan didn't know that he overplayed his hand, because he didn't realize Jesus wasn't just about restoring the kingdom, and dominion authority and all the nations back to God. But he was about rebuilding a family. And the only way that a family could be rebuilt is if Jesus died upon a cross because without the shedding of blood, there can be no forgiveness of sins. And it's clear that Satan didn't know that Jesus was had to die for the sins of the people because if Satan knew that Jesus had to die, he would have worked tirelessly to stop Jesus' death because when Jesus did ultimately die on that cross, and rise again your sins were forgiven my sins were forgiven and now an access point was made to the father for you and I not only to be restored in dominion authority but to be restored into right relationship with God what happens immediately after Jesus conquers Satan in the desert two things he calls 12 disciples And then he calls 72 disciples and sends them out. Have you ever wondered to yourself, why 12? Why 72? Why did he call 12 disciples and say, do not go to anyone, no Gentiles, but only to the lost sheep of Israel because that 12 representing government was symbolic of the 12 tribes of Israel in the old covenant. Jesus was saying, now these 12 are gonna go and bring restoration to the 12 tribes. Why 72? Have you ever read that? Some translations say 70, some say 72. Why is it that Jesus raised up and sent out 72, two by two? Well, the reason is, is because you have to go all the way back to Genesis 10 and Genesis 11. After God had confused the language of everyone at the Tower of Babel, he dispersed 72 nations. And so when Jesus comes, he's not just picking a random number 163 or 372 he is saying to Satan and all of the cosmos I'm coming back to restore that which was dispersed all of those centuries ago in Genesis 10 and 11 and I'm letting Satan know I'm coming for you and I'm coming to reclaim and to restore all the nations that were confused at that Tower of Babel and then when the Holy Spirit gets poured out What is the unifying sign of all the nations coming together, but the sign of tongues of fire coming upon God's people. And the very thing speaking in tongues that the devil tries to use to divide the body of Christ and to confuse the people of God was the very thing that God sent to unify us as one people. We are now the new Israel. We are now God's family. We are now God's chosen people. And so the 72 return and they testify what we were singing tonight. Even the demons are subject to us. And Jesus goes, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Do you remember singing that tonight? I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. You know what he was saying? Whenever the kingdom of God comes in power, it is a sign that the great reversal of Satan's reign has come to an end. And so whenever you and I fill with the power of the Spirit, begin to manifest the power of God in our life, we are letting Satan know you are no longer in authority in this realm. You are no longer in authority over my life. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come. And 1 Peter 3.22 says, Jesus is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities and powers subject to him. And the good news of the gospel is that now You and I have been seated with Christ in heavenly places. So if Jesus is at the right hand of God and you and I have been seated with him in heavenly places, it means you have access to the same power. You have access to the same anointing and authority in your life to be able to live the life that you're called to live. Whomever Jesus calls to follow him, he gives them the power of the kingdom of God. Bible says in Luke chapter 9 verse 1, he called the 12 together and he gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases and he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom and to heal. And I just want to encourage you, you've not been called to simply be an observer of people on the platform every Sunday we gather together. You've been called to be an activator of the kingdom of God in your life. Every believer in this room has been delivered from the domain of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of God. Everywhere you go, you carry the kingdom within you. And when I see sons and daughters of God, everyday believers capture this revelation, it changes their approach to everyday life. They wake up in the morning and they realize, you know what, this is just not, just not another day. I'm on assignment today. I've got a purpose, I've got a mission to fulfill. I've been given gifts and abilities not to simply draw attention to me on social media or not to simply highlight the amazing things that I can do, but to actually advance the kingdom of God on planet Earth. And so if God has given you ability in the athletic arena, whilst that athletic ability is not a spiritual gift, God wants you to steward that athletic ability along with the spiritual gifts he's given you to advance the kingdom in that area. And if ever there's an area of our culture, of our nation that needs anointed men and women of God to rise up, it's in the athletic arena because so many people look up to athletes and sports stars and people who who are influential in that space. And so if you feel that there's a grace on your life for that, an anointing on your life for that, can I encourage you, invest yourself into that as much as you can. And I didn't plan to say that tonight, but there's someone in this room that needs to hear that. Because there's someone in this room, there is a call on your life and God is going to raise you up in this city and beyond and He's going to use you to actually, your, your, your athletic ability is going to become your platform for the kingdom of God to advance through your life. There are other people here who God's given business ideas who God has, sometimes we think that you know, you're only doing real ministry and advancing the kingdom when you're a pastor or a worship leader, or, or, and those things are awesome and great. And if God's called you to that, you don't run away because God's got your number. You're gonna have to run to it, right? Because everybody that tries to run away from a genuine call on their life to this do not succeed generally, okay? I'm one of them, all right? So if God's anointed you for that, celebrate that and enjoy that this platform is what God 's given to me but God has given to you a platform in education a platform in the health sector a platform in government a platform in business and corporate sector and he wants to raise up believers across the seven mountains of influence even in the music and entertainment sector to actually be a voice of influence to bring the kingdom of God where you are you haven't been given a cute gift to actually you know play a guitar or sing so that the world can look at you and go how amazing you are you've been given a gift so that you can point to Jesus and say how amazing is he and what he has done in my life and when you begin to get a revelation of the kingdom of God you start to read the bible differently You realise from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, it's not just a random series of events and what on earth does that mean and what is, it's all connected. It's all about Jesus restoring and bringing the kingdom of God to earth. Our assignment is to imitate Jesus and to bring heaven to earth through visible demonstrations of power and authority. And we can do this with faith knowing not even the gates of hell can withstand it. And so tonight at Emerge Church, I actually felt led to pray for people that there would be a genuine impartation of the power of the Holy Spirit in your life where you would actually begin to carry this message and carry this authority in your life wherever you go and expect that God would use you in a powerful way. Can you stand to your feet tonight? We're going to worship together and we're going to pray. But I actually um, want to invite people who's really hungry for this. And I mean, don't mean don't just come out because, you know, like the pastors ask you, but no, Lord, I'm hungry for this. I'm hungry for this. I've got an appetite for this. I've got faith for this tonight. You know, sometimes in your walk with God, you get to a point where, Business as usual doesn't satisfy. And you're like, you know what? I'm not going through the motions anymore about this. I don't wanna just wake up tomorrow and go through another day. I'm hungry for you, God. I'm hungry for your spirit. I'm hungry to know this truth to the depth of my being. And I want it to actually affect my life and impact people's lives around me. If that's you tonight, then I wanna pray for you. And I want you to... Just right now, wherever you are, just get out from where you are and come stand down the front. And we're gonna pray and we're gonna believe that the power of this kingdom, the truth of this kingdom, the authority of this kingdom is going to mark your life tonight. You know, one of the things I've discovered about altar calls that it's not so much about the person laying a hand upon you as it is about your response of faith. And that as you come, and you move your physical body, where you're, which is the temple of your spirit, and you come and you say, God, I'm here. Something is quickened to you. Something is awakened in you. And so, God, tonight, right now, why don't you just, if you're down the front, just raise your hands right now. God, tonight we come to you. Father, I thank you for faith that's in people's hearts right now. I thank You that Holy Spirit, You are calling people and You're anointing people and You're going to mark people with the power of Your Holy Spirit like they've never been marked before. There's going to be a shift and there's going to be a change. And some of you, there's going to be a shaking. It's going to be a shaking, maybe even literally in this moment, but there's going to come a shaking upon your life and upon your heart where God is going to begin to shake your life up, and it's not negative. He's actually repositioning you. He's changing your thinking. He's repositioning you for what He has called you to. And so, Father, right now in Jesus' name, I pray that Holy Spirit, just like on the day of Pentecost in that upper room, you would come like a mighty rushing wind and you would fill this house right now. And that, Father, You would fill every heart. Lord, the tongues of fire, O God, would not just appear and rest on us, but, Lord, our mouths, our spirits, our very lives would be consumed with Your presence. That the truth and authority and power of the Kingdom of God would manifest upon people's hearts. I really believe right now that God is calling people. And it's almost like you're making decisions right now with God. You're saying, I want what He's talking about. I want to preach like that. I want to follow that. I want to live for that. I want to be available and willing. God is raising up a generation. Father, I thank You today. I thank You today.